0: The gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust. and things I'm like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and constant. Oh, she's she actually sending me in
1: the The closet.
2: role of the witch is to make change. Bless it be, y'all. Bless it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch and I don't know what to do. 20 years ago, three young realized they were witches they scattered to different parts of the world following magic and spirit now they're back in their hometown to share what they've learned welcome to that witch life podcast your home for living
1: as a witch in today's world hey everybody and welcome to another episode of that witch life podcast i am your host
2: kanani i am your not host i'm courtney
0: And I'm Hillary, also a not host. (laughs) Fabulous.
2: I almost called myself Kanani. I don't know why. I'm like, You almost called yourself Kanani? I did. (laughs) You wish. Uh, Not. We are tired. You are
1: tired. (laughs) Well, we are really excited because later we are going to have joining us Storm Fairy Wolf, who will be talking to us about working with Fae Energy and the different mysteries of working with the Fae. And Courtney is going to be giving us some insight into the new moon.
2: Correct. Uh, But before we go any further, I want to jump in and uh, mention something. So two weeks ago, um, we got very carried away on uh, the episode about spring equinox and Astara uh, when Hillary was sharing a meme that was uh, making a joke about, about Easter. And um, you know, uh, we we had some feedback that that was very offensive, and um, I just wanted to come out and, and apologize and try to, uh, um, you know, first of all, to say that I wasn't, it, I certainly was not taking it from a place of of laughing or making fun of somebody else's religion. Uh, to me, it was a uh, a very surprising meme um, at the end of a very long day, and um, I get carried away with my laughter sometimes, and also. A lot of my listeners may not know this about me, but that I I work at a seminary. Um, I spend all day working side by side with Christians on issues of human rights abuses and inequality that in a lot of cases has been helped by, you know, I, I don't... I'm not going to say by Christians, but by more the institution of Christianity. And so my my days are very long in addressing those kinds of things. And honestly, the Christians that I work side by side with um, have a very ribald sense of humor about this kind of stuff and a very scathing critique of their own institutions. And, you know, um, getting into that bubble, sometimes um, you can forget that uh, certain images may, you know, might be considered hurtful by others. And so I just really want to apologize if anybody was hurt by uh, me laughing at the image as much as I did um, and let people know where where that's coming from with me is um, being in um, a lot of spaces where that's, that would have been considered funny by the same people who practice that religion and forgetting that not everybody's going to think that way. Um, and uh, sometimes with doing the nature of the work I do, we have to laugh at stuff where we can't get through it. Um so again, that where, where it was coming from also was, was more about um, a surprise at a very ridiculous image and not making fun of somebody's faith. So I wanted to make sure that people understood that. I don't think that anyone will believe that you got carried away <laughs> over something.
0: It happens, pretty that reasonably. Never happens
2: reasonably on a regular basis.
0: Likewise, you know uh, my intention was never also to uh, come at that from a, a criticism of anyone's religion or religious practices. It it was more just, it was, it's a very absurd meme and the absurdity of it on its own, regardless of any religious connotation is what, what got me. Um, I certainly interact with Christians. I was raised Christian and I, uh, and I interact with Christians regularly and it's not, no disrespect for that religion or, um, and, and again, yeah, apologies if anyone got offended by that.
1: I think I think it's, you know, I've thought a lot about this, you know, ever since we we got some some feedback of someone whose feelings were hurt and it and it and it made me feel bad and I, you know, I think that part of the it, it's it's kind of strange because I, I very much understood where they were coming from, but I also very much understand the position of the people who find it hilarious. And I think that it kind of comes from that place of we all have to understand that um I don't know. It's it's kind of that whole. I I kind of I feel like sometimes we all need to have a little bit of grace and a little bit of sense of humor about you know who we are and and what we believe and understand that the way we feel about something. The way I know some people who they're. I'll I'll be honest. I've met some people in the last ten years that have have regiven me faith in in people who practice Christianity and have have forced me to separate people from the institution. Mm-hmm. because the institution has, exactly. has, has historically, factually done some horrific things and still does and been responsible and still, and still does and has been responsible for some horrific things. That being said, I have met some people who are practicing Christians who are everything you would want in a, in a someone who says they practice Christianity. They're kind, they're giving, they would help anyone. They are even if, if they disagree with someone, they're polite, they're kind, they're they are not judgmental, they offer grace. And so I think that, you know, I want people to understand that if, if anything is said um, that is, you know, please take it with a grain of salt. Please know that, you know, we're never intentionally trying to make someone feel bad or, or, or talk down on someone. We we talk all the time about inclusivity and how we want people to respect other people's beliefs. And we do respect other people in their beliefs. So um, like I said, I, I, ve- I, I see both sides of the coin and um, I apologize for anyone who, who was offended. And I also, um, like I said, I hope that people understand that if we, if there are the jokes are made or whatever, that it, it is more at the institution and yes. it is not at people. I think that is I think that's a very important distinction. And I know that for some people, I I feel some sensitivity because I think that, like I said, if, if this had happened 15 years ago, I wouldn't care. Because I'd been so, I'd know so many people that were burned by by the organizations and the and churches and things. But since then, I've met some of the kindest people I've ever met, and so it, it has brought me back to um, kind of some more kind feelings in, in regards to you know people who practice that faith. So I, I and that's where I learned to to you know change it from the people and the institution, and that made it a lot easier. So. Yeah. Anyone who is offended, please know we're, we're insane and crazy and tired pretty much all the time. And we meant no disrespect. And, um, one of the things that I, I gig, get the giggles over more than anything is I love that we have so many listeners and people who call themselves Christian witches. And that's like totally a thing now. And yeah. I freaking love that. I think that's awesome. Um, and I'm all about just opening up the communication between the two and, and that there's no, You know, there's no disrespect from one to the other. And, you know, the two things can exist, can coexist, you know, beautifully. So
2: and I think there's also um, an important context to remember, especially if you're new to this or you're you don't identify as a witch or you do identify as a Christian, you hear witches laughing. I mean, the, the witches really do revel in reverence and mirth and we are the first ones to make fun of our own rituals. Oh, oh my 100%. god. I As have it,
0: shared yes more me I have shared more memes making fun of witchcraft and pagan communities than I have yes. of any other person thing ever. Because yes. we you know it's like it's it's important to be able to laugh at yourself right. because if you take yourself too seriously you forget to have levity, you know, and some and some, you know, so I again, it. I mean, it's something that you if you followed us for a while, you've seen me like share a bajillion, you know, memes making fun of like often myself in ritual, like in rituals or like, you know, so it is. um, Humor is a part of us and how we interact with one another, and it is not um it it's humor towards everything and everyone. And it's
2: the laughter isn't like laughing at, if that makes no. any sense. It's laughing no. because of something, but yes. not like yeah. not laughing to poke fun at it. Um, and right, and, right. and you know, I've had a huge journey with Christianity. It was something that Kanani and I were talking about. Is same, that, same. You know, Hillary and I struggled a lot with the institution of Catholicism in our high school, and the, the some of the things that, that the abuse of a lot of the students that was was either ignored or condoned because that's the culture of when I say the church. I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the, the faith of the people I'm talking about the institution and, um, having to, to go through that. And, and, uh, you know, I was, I stayed in a very abusive relationship for a very long time because for simply because I wanted to have sex. I was 18. I was a fucking horndog and I stayed with this man because he was the first person I had sex with. Cause I thought, well, if I'm not going to marry him, at least needs to be a significant relationship. So my mind, I'm like, I probably should stay with him a few more months. So this isn't, this isn't immoral. The fact that I was having sex with him. So I stayed when it would have been a really good idea to leave because I had it ingrained in me that because I'd had sex with him, that I should stay in the eyes of God. Um, And it was really awful and it took me a long time to heal from that. And that comes from an institution teaching me these things. And that's a very mild, mild case of (laughs) what, what many of Um, my, I I could, I've got horror stories of what the, just the girls and all of this with boys, but the girls went through in our school Um, that they endured that makes me cry thinking about it. So getting to a place now where I can laugh at a meme instead of becoming angered and start spitting venom about an institution is a big journey for me. So I'm also asking, as Nani said, have some grace there. (laughs) As a lot of my work is still like nine to five, I am dealing with, with things that the church in big C institution has done to this world. And then as a witch and a priestess, Helping people because every single person who's come to my 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 come through my witchcraft path has been injured by the big C institutional church. So this has been a big journey to get there where I'm no longer angry, but and that that, that there's space for humor. So I'm I'm also asking for that from listeners as well.
1: <laughs> I remember it's sad because I actually told a story. I actually told a Easter story on that episode. Um. About my coworker, who I had chased around, and I—I I, I loved this coworker. She and I got along really well, and I—it probably didn't sound like that when I was when I was telling my little story, but she was a coworker that she and I were buds, and she was the one that I was teasing, like, "You need to ask your pastor. Why is there eggs and bunnies?" Well, years later, she and I no longer worked together. We were still buds. We were still really good friends, and I knew that you know her church was important to her. She was married. She was very. <laughs> She was everything I wasn't. Okay. She was naive. She was sweet. She was kind. I was an honorary sassy bitch. Was, she were, was, was, right? I'm exactly. like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> um, like yesterday. She was like the poster girl of the sweet little thing that should be sitting in a church pew. And it was back in the time when a lot of people were losing their jobs. Her husband Lost his job. He was unable to find work. He even applied at our place of work as a custodian. No one would hire him because he was overqualified. He ended up running out of emplo- unemployment as he'd been unemployed for like 15 months. They lost their house and her church. She got kicked out of her church for not tithing because they'd stopped tithing.
2: Sounds about. So, heard that before. you know, these
1: are the things yeah. that's all part of the same story. And it's like, you know, I wouldn't have brought up the other, but it's just like, there's a lot of people who have those stories mm-hmm. who, who the institution is, and like I said, she couldn't be sweeter. And, and I hope because unfortunately it burned her so bad. She swore she would never go to church again, which right. broke my heart because it was so important to her and she, she loved it. It it mattered to her. And I'm always supportive of people, you know, finding something that matters to you. If that's what matters to you and it makes you a better person and it brings good things out of you, please roll with it, you know? And, and so the fact that that was that that happened has been something that has stuck in my craw for literally, you know, 24 years, 22 years, 20 years. I don't know how long ago it was. Um, but I think I, so I think that, you know, like I said, for a long time, I would hear little stories like that and I would watch people and I would hear stories and it it really burned me. And then, like I said, later I've met people who were just the kindest, sweetest, nicest people. And I've I've realized to separate the two. I've realized mm-hmm. to separate the people from the institution. And um, and so I like I said, I I hope people understand that because I think that most of our listeners, even people who may consider themselves Christian witches, probably know people who've been burned by the institution. Absolutely. And and yeah, I, I hope I hope that they still have something they love and, and that they, you know, if they're a part of their church, they love it. And, and I, I appreciate that and I don't ever want anyone to think that any of us don't love that for you. We do. Um, but like I said, we've, we've kind of had to learn to separate the people from the institution and, and it's, you know, it can be hard. It can be a hard conversation, but I like, I like that we can have that conversation Mm -hmm. and I, I appreciate, um, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, someone saying something like that and, and bringing it to our attention. And so that because it only because it offers us the ability to clarify.
2: Yes.
3: And yeah. no
1: way are we saying that we do not like Christianity. Do we not like Christians? Is that unacceptable? That will never be said here. That has never been said here. It's, that's not what this is about. And so I appreciate the ability for us to clarify that and, and really make people feel like, we really are just all-inclusive assholes. We want everyone to come on and and hear why you listen to how crazy we are. We appreciate you for it. I I have no idea. But, you know, we love all of our listeners. And we just want everyone to, when they come on, feel, you know, like, we appreciate you as much as you guys say that you appreciate us. So, if we ever offend you, we apologize. We offend each other
2: all the time. All the time. <laughs> Which is saying something, because my my barometer for being offended has been so far broken. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't
0: I, I don't I don't offend easily.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I just I just am always offensive. I think is this kind is of, that's, mostly that's mostly like, the case. That's my personality trait. Like that's that's what I do. That's that's where I go. So, anyways, we just wanted to kind of clear that up and let people know. You know, we apologize if there was some some hurt feelings or confusion, but you know, that is, that's kind of where we stand. And like Courtney said, if you can just, you know, give us some grace that sometimes we may not do things, you know, all that gracefully it's because, well, that's pretty much how we are. We're not all that graceful. So anyways, Courtney, you were going to talk to us. About
2: the upcoming new moon. Yes. So um, April 11th or 12th, depending on which calendar you're looking at, we do have a new moon in Aries. Okay. So as we mentioned before, new moons are great for new beginnings in general. Certain new moons are better for new beginnings, even more so. And this is a really great new moon for new beginnings. Looking at Kanani trying to buy a house because it is a new moon in Aries. So new moon is the beginning of a cycle. Aries is the beginning of the astrological cycle. So you've got a lot of beginning energy, plus we're definitely deep into spring at this point. Um, Anytime you're working with Aries, it's a really great time to do fire magic, candle magic. So here's what I would suggest. If you can make this a two-day ritual, great. Um, Knowing this is me, I end up like spacing it out by four days because that's just the busy scattered witch is probably the title of my memoir, um, which will be read (laughs) on audiobook by (laughs) Catherine Hahn one day. That's my plan. So um, that's the plan. Yeah. And so um, I would say that maybe on the 11th um, or someday close to it, get a candle for something um, that you you want to see go away and i i really encourage red um orange really bright colors that you are thinking about like that just to burn stuff and either write on a piece of paper um that you want to you want to see it go away and throw it in a fireplace or backyard if you if you can burn outside or carve it into a candle and burn that little candles are good because you they you know burn for maybe two hours and so you can get the spell done quickly and then the following day or a couple of days later Get a blue or a green candle, picking those because the blue or green flame at like the very center of a fire or or um, a candle flame is the hottest. And then you're going to write something that you want to see, uh, to see um, really fueled by that Aries fire. So maybe it is a new home. It is a new job. It is more passion in your relationships. This is a really good time to add life to the relationships that you're in. Um, So, yeah, make this a two part spells. The new moon sends something away. Imagine it burning and turning to cinders and then fuel something with the Aries of Fire and um, the Fire of Aries. And good luck. Happy new moon and happy spring and happy Aries. We want to thank you all and thank you all for supporting us
1: on Patreon. And last week we actually added our deep discussion with Via Hedera on plant magic and working with plants you can check that out on patreon for as little as a dollar a month you can also get access to this and other witchism content higher levels get you access to our private facebook page live virtual special events and even a tarot card can be pulled for you on the show and more our next event is a house blessing on april 11th so please make sure to join us on patreon so that you can participate And bless your own home with us. Today, Courtney is going to be pulling a card for Matthew, who joined at the So Mote That Shit level. And that gets him access to extended ad-free episodes, all special events, and the quarterly
2: subscription box. Oh, my God. The quarterly subscription box is so good, guys. We haven't really talked about that. But it's like, this is books by um, authors we've had on the show, uh, spell kits, other spell supplies, um, gift cards to our sponsors. It's some really delicious stuff. So, uh, you know, Matthew, you were right to join the SoMote That Shit level. And your card is the two of wands. This is actually one of my favorite cards. And it is a card that is um, about looking at things deeply and in a deeper way. All right. So this, this is um, look, you know, pay attention to the world where you are, but then look deeper at what it means on the macrocosm. You know, it's, it's about like, okay, you, you be aware of the blessings you have around you, but don't be afraid to be, planning for bigger things, um, other things that you want in your life. So this is a really good time for planning and uh, planting. And with all this new moon energy in Aries, this is a really great time to make that happen. So thank you for joining us at the So Mote That Shit Level and hope you enjoy your subscription box.
1: Yeah. Other ways you can support the show, if you can't do a monthly donation, you can buy us a coffee or buy That Witch Life merchandise on Etsy. You can also become an episode sponsor, which is a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches, or you can purchase a shout out and let people know about your virtual events or to just send love to your favorite witch. Find out more on our website at thatwitchlife.com. Find out more on our website at thatwitchlife.com. And
2: I think we're ready for a word from our sponsor. You are all going to love our interview with Storm Fairy Wolf, and we highly suspect you'll be racing to get his books. Storm is an enchanting and both a wonderful writer and teacher, and his books and workshops have captivated witches all around the country. So we are so delighted to have him with us to share his work with Fairy Witchcraft. Uh, Storm's book, Betwixt and Between, provides the tools you need to begin your own fairy-style magical practice, including creating an altar, summoning the fairy fire, engaging the shadow, aligning your life force, developing spirit alliances, journeying between the worlds, exploring elementals, enhancing fairy power, and much, much more. Storm's book, The Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft, gives you the tools to draw on your inner darkness and unlock the secrets of the hidden kingdom. Whether your demons are ancient spirits or those of your own making, you must confront them in order to reclaim the power they have stolen. Guiding you through enchantments, rituals, and other practices, this book helps you cultivate and explore your forsaken shadows. Frankly, you know you're going to want both of these books. So be sure to go to Llewellyn.com today and you can save 30% on The Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft, no coupon needed now through April 30th, 2021. You can also save 20% on Storm's betwixt and between with coupon code STORM20. That's STORM20. Coupon valid through June 30th, 2021. Not valid in conjunction with other discounts or previously placed orders. And note that you do need to be logged into your Llewellyn.com account for the coupon to apply. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for Storm Fairy Wolf's next book, The Witch's Name, Crafting Identities of Magical Power, which will be available in March 2022. Meanwhile, enjoy our chat with Storm, and thank you to Llewellyn for being an episode sponsor. Well, we are super excited today
1: to be joined joined by Storm Fairy Wolf, who is a professional author, teacher, poet, and warlock. He was trained and initiated into various streams of witchcraft, Most notably, the fairy tradition where he holds the black wand of a master. He is a co-founder of Black Rose, a school in style of modern folkloric witchcraft, and is a regular contributor to Modern Witch and columnist for The Wild Hunt. Also author of Betwixt and Between and Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft. He is committed to reforging the ancient connections between humankind and the hidden kingdom. He makes his home in the San Francisco Bay Area and travels internationally teaching the magical arts. For more information, visit fairywolf.com. Welcome.
3: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
1: I'm so excited. We're so excited. We missed you. So one of the things that we usually start off with with people when we have them on Storm is we usually ask, at which point or how did you know that you were a witch or a magical person?
3: Well, I I think that's like a, I don't know, a multi-layered question for me because, you know, it wasn't something that I necessarily knew in the beginning. It was just something that I was inexplicably drawn to. And so people have often asked me like, oh, you know, how did you first get into witchcraft? And that's, probably an easier way to get into that. And um, my first influence was episodes of Bewitched. And I know that people like are totally like, oh my God, it's so like lowbrow or, you know, whatever. Cause I get accused a lot of that anyway because I use the word warlock, right? And they're like, oh, you got that from Bewitched. I'm like, actually I got it from the dictionary. Not around here. You're like, "Nope, we all love Bewitched, so. <laughs> That's how it started for me, right? I just, and there was something about it, but there was something to me inexplicable specifically about witchcraft. I would always I was always interested in the occult and and magic and fairy tales. You know, my mom brought me up with fairy tales and talking about Ireland because our family on my mom's side came from Ireland. And so she talked about how she was told the stories of the banshee when the wind would blow and howl and she would get a shiver and and how her dad would get a shiver and so, you know, these stories got passed down. And and so that was always just something that was kind of I, I mean, yes, in my blood, but it was just, it was part of my childhood, right? And so, and also my mom had me when she was fairly young, you know, like 20, 21. And um, so, and she didn't really have a lot of friends. And so she t- kind of told me that that I was her friend. So she would talk to me about weird stuff. I was born in 1971. So, you know, there was a lot of like ESP, you know, yeah. um, astral projection, you know, that was like in, in the, the culture at the time. And so she would talk to me about this kind of stuff. And then I would do it because I was a kid and kids do things really easy.
1: Yep. In fact,
3: there, there was this time. They don't
1: know they can't quote unquote. No, yeah. Can. They haven't, exactly. not, they haven't
3: realized. Yep, yeah. yep. So, they so my realized. mom was telling me, oh, I read this thing about how to astral project. And she was telling me like the steps. Oh, you know, and it was something simple. Like, oh, you're just going to kind of calm down and clear your mind. And then you just imagine that you're somewhere else and you just kind of try to feel it. And so I was sitting there at the dinner table and then I did it. And it was just, you know, just because she was describing it to me. And I remember like in my field of vision, like everything just turned lavender. And I remember feeling lightheaded and my body started to slump. Like I was actually like leaving my body and my body was like, okay, go to sleep. And my mom went, and then I went, (laughs) <laughs> it like shocked me back. And we were both kind of freaked out by it. I was freaked out because she was freaked out. Yeah. And then she didn't talk to me about that stuff for a while. And she felt guilty. And then later in my adulthood, we talked about it. She was like, oh yeah, she felt totally guilty. Like she had opened me up to something scary. And I was like, no, that was actually one of the great experiences of my life, of my magical career. Because it, it told me that this was possible. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, I will say that's basically how I started, right? Um, but how did I know that I was magical? I'm gonna say that I didn't actually know um, until I got initiated into the fairy tradition, and for a reason that you wouldn't probably think. Um, the initiation itself was beautiful. I remember it like as through a soft lens. You know, everything was dreamy, and uh, the, the mists, you know, whatever. Um, and then the next, I was told, don't do anything heavy. You know, you've just been, you know, given this big charge and, you know, whatever. You've got these new inner contacts. I mean, but don't do anything heavy. Don't even really meditate. Just kind of maybe do some cleansing. Just be chill. Let it, let it percolate, right? But I had these new toys. And the next day I was like, yeah, I'm going to take this for a test drive, right? And so I, like, invoked the space and spoke to one of the inner contacts. And this goddess challenged me to invoke my demons in her realm. And I was like, okay, let's do it, right? And so we did. And I promise it
2: won't be heavy storm, it'll be a light demon fest. <laughs> right,
3: exactly. And it was, it was, it was scary. I had this scary experience where um I kind of felt like all the uh, the best way I could describe it is that they presented themselves as what I would call proto-demons, just these kind of half-formed thoughts, you know, and they all kind of magnetized and came together. And here's where I'm gonna expose. I'm a total sci-fi geek. Okay, so I don't know if anyone has seen the old, I think it was like in the 19. 19- 40s or 50s, that movie Forbidden Planet. Um, But there's like a graphic where the invisible alien monster um, is revealed because he goes through like this force field and you see him and he's like this big growling thing. And that's what it looked like to me, right? Obviously drawing from my subconscious, whatever. But it freaked me out. And it was like growling in my face, wanted to get me. And it, it just felt so real. And I was shocked out. And here I was now just sitting in my altar space And then I felt nothing anymore. And when I say I felt nothing anymore, I mean nothing. I didn't feel energy. I couldn't feel like my gods, my spirits. I was cut off, cut off from everything. And I existed that way for five days until the moon changed. I was initiated on a waning moon. When the moon shifted, it all came back with a spontaneous memory, Um, a memory of when I was very young and my mom was having a theological discussion with me. And we were um parked by this oak tree, and um, she was telling me about how God um had no beginning and had no end, and I was like four, maybe, and um that just twisted my melon, man. I couldn't think of how how can something not have a beginning? I could I could conceive where something didn't have an end, right? Because kids are immortal, right? You know, no, of course, I'm gonna live forever. Right, exactly. But how can you not have a beginning, right? And uh, well, God is all powerful, and in my cockiness, I said, well. If God is so powerful, then he should make that tree die. And I can tell you right now, I can remember the branches of the tree drooping and the leaves turning yellow and brown and falling off. And I burst into tears. I was so remorseful. I, I In fact, even telling the story now, I just turned 50. I, I can feel it like coming up. Like I feel like, oh, I just, I wanna cry. And I was just like, please God, no. I felt like, oh, this tree is dying to teach me this lesson, right? and Mm. so i but then i I hadn't thought of that in forever so then i did i just thought of it that one day and then it was like everything clicked back on and i felt i got the lesson the the lesson for me was i needed to have an existential crisis that i kind of came into this world i don't know i want to say like pre-installed you know with like the spiritual awareness software you know and i didn't know anything better i didn't know how to compare contrast it i wasn't seeing the forest through the trees, right? And so I had to have everything taken away for that brief amount of time um, in order for me to appreciate it. And then everything came back. As soon as I had that memory, I felt energy again. I could feel the presence of my spirits, my gods. And I was like, oh, I cherish this now in a way that I I don't think I cherished it. And I also feel like I was perhaps treating a lot of it like it was a mental exercise. You know, I was always on the search for the psychic experience, the woo, right? And now looking back, I was like, oh my God, why was I looking? I was like sitting in the middle of woo, you know? But I didn't even know because that was just my entire life, you know? And so, you know, I know that that sounds a little weird and, you know, egotistical maybe, but I don't mean it that way. It it was just, it was such actually a humbling experience, you know, to go through. And so now I do, I really cherish it. So that is a very long-winded, Um, answer to your question how did I know that I was magical that's how I knew it because I couldn't have known it until it was taken away
1: I I think Mm. that's that's a really I think that's a really special lesson to have gotten because like you said that's the truth is until you know what it's like to not have that you're never going to truly appreciate it for what it is and right. So absolutely.
3: I, I mean, it's the whole cliche so thing, right? You don't, you don't really appreciate what you have until it's gone. Right. You know, and exactly. it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Cliche wisdom, whatever. And then it happens and you're like, oh, it's cliche for a reason. Yeah. Because it's mother and true. Right. Exactly. You know, so.
1: Absolutely. No, I, um, so, so that kind of, you kind of explained how you kind of have, come into your magic and and whatnot, what was it that drew you specifically to uh, working with the Fae?
3: So um, honestly, I have to say I read um, Starhawk's book, The Spiral Dance. And um, I mean, I'd always been interested in like the Fae as, you know, a race of beings, right? Because, you know, my mom would tell these stories and fairy tales and the whole thing. And so I I always felt a connection on that level. but I didn't really think of it as something that was real in, in terms of like a spirituality, you know, um, until I read The Spiral Dance. And then she just mentioned um, the blue God, Gianna Glass, And there was just something that clicked. And maybe part of it was also the queerness. You know, he was described as the laughing God of love. And that was such at variance with like other forms of the God, you know, that I had been exposed to. The horned God who's often, portrayed as very heterosexual in the Wiccan gender-balanced paradigm, you know? And I was like, well, that's not for me. You know, Pan's cool, you know, but, you know, uh, I don't know. But Johnny Glass, there was something so queer and so um, liminal, you know, ab- ab- about him, them, you know, that it really just spoke to me. And then she spoke about Victor Anderson, the, the blind poet and shaman. And there was just something so Creepy, cool, you know, about that—that that it just drew me in, and I knew from that moment that that was what I wanted to study. That I wanted to be initiated into that tradition. Um, it took a long time to actually find people who were teaching. Um, there weren't a lot of public teachers, you know, at, at the time. Um, it was still considered fairly secretive. Um, even today, there's uh, there's lineages that are like uber secretive. You know, there they're, um I'm sure there's people. When this gets released, are going to be very upset that I'm here publicly talking about it. Um,
2: oh, please bring the haters! We have a good time
0: with them. <laughs> it's true; we really love the haters.
3: I mean, they do a lot for your PR, right? I mean, that's something that I've noticed. Is Our that
0: little haters? I'll take
2: you away.
3: <laughs> I almost feel like sometimes I should get um, some of them a gift basket because I always feel that they're actually my biggest fans. You know, like the people that are just like out there, like, oh my God, you need to boycott his book. You know, there's is, there is people out there. People will send me screenshots and there's people and what I call like the, um, um, the cultic side of the Anderson fairy tradition mm. who are very much into um, what I would consider to be a fundamentalist approach, which is kind of hilarious to me on one level because I don't see how you can actually make fundamentalism out of the fairy tradition because it's so nebulous, but they did. And, mm. you know, and here they are. Um, and well, they- I still
2: think there's I think there's a lot of healing that we have to do. Um, I mean, I just had a really great conversation with Evo Dominguez Jr. about um oh, the moving from the age of Pisces to Aquarius and uh, the you know, moving away from that kind of fundamentalism that um it has infected. So many of us, not just in religion, but how when we do politics and we do, right. um, you know, other things that we choose like that without thinking, just say, this is my, this is my group and it has to be done this way. And um, sometimes I think that we, uh, people re- replicate that even in these traditions that are meant to be, um, meant to break out of that. So anyway, little yeah. soapbox. Over no, absolutely,
3: right absolutely. I think that's true. I mean, it's the same thing with like, you know, oh, you're a little kid and you see how your parents interacted and Mm -hmm. then you end up recreating that because that's what you were programmed and in fairy terms i'd say you were programmed on a fetch level you know so like your lower so your primal soul and it takes a lot of work to like clear that out and it's it's often a lifetime's worth of work you know whether that's therapy or you know a spiritual practice or maybe both you know um that's that's there's a lot there to unpack and, and to process and we do we keep recreating these patterns humans are such symbolic creatures you know and we get, we're such habitual creatures and we just keep repeating these patterns until we notice oh here's this pattern right and then we still could recreate it exactly you know because it takes a lot of energy to actually break a pattern and then you have to replace it with a new pattern
1: exactly what is your first do you, what is your first kind of most powerful experience with the
3: Fae? My uh, my first—I oh, don't know what my first is. Um, <clears throat> my most powerful experience with the Fae. I'm going to say, actually, as boring as it may sound now, because I already told most of the story. You know, being challenged to invoke my demons in her realm. I mean, that was such—that oh. was so life changing, right? But yeah. let me share. I can't even. I can't even imagine. Let me share another story that um, wasn't quite as scary, but was equally um sh- um shaping. You know, in terms of my magical consciousness, and I do talk about this. Here's my shameless plug in my book, Betwixt and Between, exploring the fairy tradition of witchcraft. I love that one. There, and it's really a story. wonderful,
2: and everybody needs it on their shelf. Oh, thank you, thank
3: you. I that was that you was a labor it. of love. That was a labor of I love that book. Oh, I'm so proud of that book, and the other one too, Forbidden Mysteries. I'm very proud of that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, Betwixt and Between was like this is the one I had to do. Um, Because this is a primer on this tradition that I love so much. And I wanted to get it out there, too, because of that cultic side of fairy that wants to keep everything super uber secret. And which I see as, on one level, a velvet rope that makes people like, oh, I want it even more. And then it really lends itself to that weird kind of power over coercive behavior that happens so often in cults. And I'm not here for that. I, 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 you know, um, Blue Rose is the name of my lineage of fairy, and we are the anti-cult, you know? And so we really try to be transparent. And it's, it's a fine line because it's an initiatory mystery tradition. And so there's things that I will not talk about. There's stuff that I did not put in betwixt and between and that I won't put out there publicly, but there's a lot that you can. And I was trained in a very open way, you know? So I'm actually, I, I didn't reveal anything that I was oath-bound to not reveal. You know, everything as far as I was trained was fair game. Um, And then I wrote a lot of original material to describe these experiences, because, of course, I can't include liturgy that somebody else wrote. Right. I don't know. I don't know who wrote it. And a lot of cases I do know who wrote it, you know, and that's not my copyright. So but I think that's also kind of going back to that old ancient Irish idea of, you know, poetic mastery equals spiritual mastery. There's something about like rewrite the material. That's where it actually gets that momentum of power. But in this book, I talk about what I call my most humiliating moment. And um, so I was in um, training with my fairy teacher, and um, he introduced me to a particular inner temple. And so we would go to this temple. There were these guardian spirits that would guard this door, you know, kind kind of classic imagery, swords crossed, you know, over the doorway. And you'd petition them, and they would open up and grant you access. We went in, did our stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then my homework was to go home and and repeat this experience you know at least a few times and then come back and talk about what that was so i i went home and i sat down and did my ritual space and i petitioned these beings and they didn't open the door for me and i thought okay wait i did something wrong i must be not focused you know kind of realign rebalance repetition them nope they're not opening the doors for me and I'm thinking, okay, well, I am my own worst enemy. You know, I'm always standing in my own way. And this is my homework. This is what I need to do. This is obviously my challenge. This is my block. And so I'm going in there. And so they didn't undo their swords. So I went under their swords and kind of just imagine like pushing the energy out, you know, so that I could get through. The door opened. I went inside. It was immediately a weird experience for me. Instead of walking through this Astral room, as I had done before with my teacher, I felt like my feet weren't touching the floor. I felt like I was swimming through molasses. It was very just slow and gummy. And it took me a lot of mental effort to, like, even just get across the room in this astral space to go and do the stuff I was supposed to do. And I did it. And then I got out again and I finished it. And I felt very proud of myself. I got through my block. Right. And so the next. Week I went to my teacher and I was feeling very self-satisfied and he asked me what I did and I told him. And I said, I got through this block, I did this. And I I will never forget, he just went, I can't believe you were so disrespectful. And you're like, I was mortified. I remember like probably the blood draining in my face and then getting hot and red and in that moment, silent. I'm listening. I don't even know what he's saying. He's talking. I can't tell you what he's saying. I was so in my head and my ego. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm not coming back. I was that mortified. I had been doing this for a few years, probably four years, going every week, you know, and, you know, and doing this thing that was at the time, like my life goal was to study and become initiated in, in the fairy tradition. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm just, I'm not doing this, this is just ridiculous. And I realized that, wow, this is really my ego. This is really a big, and this is the very stuff that I've been training about. So maybe I just need to sit with this and feel this and watch where it goes. And so I just sat there and breathed and I let it move through me. And then I remember my my teacher saying, basically that I was treating it all like it was a mental exercise. I wasn't treating it as if it was real. And that was just something so simple about that. It just clicked in my brain. I was like, oh my God, you're right. I've just been treating it like it's this mental thing that I have complete control over. And yet I'm not treating these beings as if they're real with their own agency, right? And so that was another like leap forward for me. So I later went back to the temple and I made offerings to make amends and I had to do like actual like healing work, you know, like on the space time of the temple, you know, because there was like a rift And I did some real world um, community work and offerings in order to help facilitate that, to ground that, you know, in, in the physical. And then everything was fine. And I'm so glad it all happened because I don't think I would have gotten that lesson before. I still probably to this day would have been treating like the spirits as if, oh, they're just parts of my own imagination, you know. And I'm not here to tell you what spirits are or gods are, you know, whatever. I don't know. You know, maybe part of it is they're part of my imagination. I feel like they're bigger than that. You know, but I also feel like that's why it's a capital M mystery. And so that's mm-hmm. something in, in the Black Rose um, witchcraft, witchcraft School that um, Chaz and Devin and I founded. Um, one of our things is you can think you know what the spirits and the gods are. You can be a hard polytheist, a soft polytheist, whatever, that's fine. But in the moment, we want you just to take it as it comes, don't judge it. You know, all your assumptions mm-hmm. need to go out the window because it's a big M mystery. And kind of like the song says, we need to let the mystery be.
2: And I appreciate that so much. I think that there's, I think it's important that people take the time to, to analyze or stay. I wouldn't say analyze, but to stay grounded and accept the possibility that this is all a mental exercise, but not, but also leave open to the possibility that these are beings. Um, Because I do think that I think, we're all afraid that we're going to get, we're all going to run away with, with, uh, with an illusion. Um, and that's a possibility, but most of the time it's not going to happen. And I think we shorts, I think we, we, we cut ourselves off from possibility and the real magic when we write everything off as a mental or treat everything as mental exercise and that everything is our interpretation. Um, so thank you for saying that, reminding us of the capital M mysteries.
3: And, and, but the flip side is true as well. You know, if we go into it thinking like, oh, these gods are all completely independent beings, you know, and they have their own personalities. So sometimes I think that that can also cut us off because sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like, and this is what I, you know, and I don't want to get down on anyone's practice, but what I will hear sometimes from reconstructionists is, oh, this is what so-and-so likes, and what so-and-so doesn't like, and oh, this goddess liked this, you know, in the 12th century, and they expect the goddess to then only like that, you know, like they did in the 12th century. And that's also not giving them agency, you know. That that's not assuming that, like, oh well, you know, what but what what happens when that goddess discovered HBO? You
2: well, know, how do you know that they this whole
3: other thing, you know, that how, they get to
2: how do you know if fried Snickers bars were around the 12th century that that goddess wouldn't have asked for them? I'm guessing right. she probably would have. Right? Same thing with chili, fr- chili yeah, flavor. Yeah, exactly, potatoes.
3: exactly, exactly. And I will say I, I feel a little um, freer because in the the particular fairy witchcraft tradition that I was brought into, um, <clears throat> it's almost. I mean, I don't want to say it's a free for all, you know, but they've definitely drawn from many sources. And a lot of the gods that we work with are really just popular names of what I feel are like nameless powers, nameless entities, right? They could have many names. I'm not going to say they're all equated, you know, whatever, but I think they draw from, you know, similar wells, you know, and I mentioned Gianni Glass earlier, the blue god, the dancing, laughing god of love, um, who is also sometimes... Um, related to the Yazidi peacock angel, Melech Taos, right? And I'm not going to say they're the same being, and yet they are also the same being on another level. It's nebulous, right? Um, One of our goddesses, Nimue, um, is very unique, but you can see that name show up in Arthurian legend as the Lady of the Lake. And there are influences from that Arthurian legend that go into the fairy understanding of Nimue. You know, so there's obviously some, I think in the big Venn diagram of gods, you know, there's a crossover there. Um, but I mentioned Nimue because one of the offerings for her are Jolly Ranchers. Don't tell <laughs> me they had those in Arthurian times, you know, but it works.
0: Exactly, exactly.
3: You, know, you use what works. I think that true witchcraft, you use what works. That, that's that's the first rule I would say uh, of, of an effective craft is you use what works. If it's silly and it works, hey, it's it works. You know, it doesn't matter if it's silly. Sometimes silly is better because then you let go of that pretense. Sometimes the pretense is what's keeping us unable to touch the actual magic, right? We have to make friends with silly. I mean, and witchcraft is silly. I mean, come on, we're dressing up in these robes or we're naked, wearing weird cords and, you know, brandishing knives. You know, it's ridiculous on on what level, (laughs) right? And yet it's also like solemn and awesome. Right. Exactly. Again, that Venn diagram comes together.
1: I think it's part of it's it's part of, you know, if people don't want to call it silly, which I I love. I think that's great. Is, it's it's all a part of not thinking too hard, not trying to take yourself so seriously. You know, to be a part of something, and to be a part of the experience more than you're worried about how you look, what you're doing, what you know you're you're a part of something that's happening.
3: Right. And,
1: and part of that is kind of taking yourself out of your normal humdrum every day, what you do and kind of transforming into this other thing and being a part of that. And I think that is part of, you know, where the, the cloaks and the knives and sometimes the nakedness and the dancing, it just helps you to kind of be a part of something that's, that's different from your normal self.
3: Absolutely. And I mean, that's also, of course, why I have the name that I do. And why I also think that it's totally funny that sometimes other witches will like, kind of look down their nose. like, I can't take him seriously with a name like Storm Fairy Wolf. I'm like, you're literally cosplaying and you're telling me that you can't take me seriously. Well, I'm not taking you seriously, Karen, you know, come on, right? You know, what? what? <laughs> I'm not taking myself seriously half the time. You know, that's the point. You know, it, it is about being outside of, you know, the normal you know, quote unquote, you know, experience. That's why you'd put on like special robes. You know, that's why you would, you know, be sky clad, you know, because you're not doing those things every day. It's to shift your consciousness. And so when I took my name, uh, it was also to tell myself that I was a full-time warlock, you know, that I was going to be a public warlock all the time, you know, even at the grocery store, you know, and, you know, I might not do the Lori Cabot thing and dress up in robes, you know, and, and everything, you know, but people will look, oh, your name, you know, and, and I will say Storm Fairy Wolf is not on my credit card. Storm is, you know, the fairy wolf part is a little hidden, but people are always like, oh, Storm, you know? So it's it's this conversation starter, right? And um, But yeah, I think that we need to make friends with silly and, and to recognize that's a path to ecstasy. And and to me, that's what it's about, the ecstatic practice, getting out of the doldrum and moving into the magical. I think that's that's the uh, heart I, of the craft as far as I'm I concerned. I
1: agree a hundred percent. And I think for some of our listeners who may not um, you know, we have a lot of our listeners are kind of new and kind of exploring the craft and things like this. I'll give I'll give kind of an example that I think will really resonate with people, and that is there's a lot of people who may not know that my le- my legal name, Kanani, is not my legal first name. Mm -hmm. So now we will go downtown and it's really funny because we'll be walking around at a farmer's market or like this lavender festival I love that my husband and my family would go to and people would run up and be like, Kanani, Kanani, Kanani. I am Kanani. I am very much Kanani. There are hundreds of people in this town and in this community. That is who they know. And Mm -hmm. she is very much a person. And... It is a part of me in the way that I think other people will be able to relate to the concept of when you become a mother, right? When you pick up your kid at daycare, I'm, I'm, I'm my kids' mom. That's how the other kids point at me. You know, hey, hey, Soleil, right. your mom's here. Hey, Gavin, your mom's here. Oh, hi, hi, Cl- Hi, Soleil's mom. That that's who I, you know, that's who I am. And it's so it's it's a part of yourself that. It is very much a part of you, but it's kind of a different part. And it's that part you carry Mm -hmm. with you for me when I'm in pagan community, when I'm in ritual and when I'm doing these events and things like that, like it is it is as much a a part of me as being my children's mother is as being my own person is. Right. And I I think that people it might be hard to differentiate, but I feel like most parents can kind of get that because you're a different person inside than you are just when you're your kid's parent. Like that very much is its own person when it walks outside the door. And then there's who you are. They're the same person, but they're they're kind of two sides of the you know two sides of the coin. Right.
3: That makes sense. Interesting.
1: What is kind of I guess I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. How would you encourage people if they're interested in working in fairy tradition or the, with the Fae, what would be kind of some good first steps and, and ways to kind of begin to maybe think about working with fairy beings?
3: So it's a 2 pronged question. Um, working with the fairy tradition might not necessarily mean working with the Fae. If we're talking about, the Anderson fairy witchcraft tradition. This is what I always say is like, oh, this is a marketing nightmare, a branding nightmare, right? Um, Because not all lineages actually work in a folkloric fairy context, we did. And so, you know, I I have that particular connection. Um, I I say that the the first thing that people should do if they wanna work with the Fae, and I'm gonna leave that very blurry as to what I mean by the Fae, because I kind of go with the original definition of the word fairy, which is just things of magic and enchantment. And that encompasses a lot of stuff. That encompasses all spirits, the dead, all gods of every pantheon. That's fairy to me. It's not just, oh, the little people of Ireland. You know, that's one particular manifestation of a global phenomenon, which is encounters with the other world, encounters with that which is weird. Um, One thing about fairy also is that it's often eerie you know, there's an eeriness to the feel, you know, of, of the encounter. But I'd say that's also with anything of the other world. Like, you know, if, I would imagine I'd feel that if I saw Bigfoot, right? Mm-hmm. it would be a fairy being.
0: Come to Oregon. You know? I know. Y- you got to come up here. Come on, come up we'll go squatching.
2: You and I, we'll go squatching. It's thought that the Sasquatch is actually like a, a being, a, a spiritual being, which is why people have seen yeah. them, but you've never found a dead body of a Sasquatch.
3: Right. Yeah, there's actually a really good book I should read it again called um, Daimonic Reality" mm-hmm. by Patrick Harper that that talks about that. That's talking about like you know Bigfoot and UFOs and fairy beings as all part of the same otherworldly phenomenon. Loch Ness monster, all of it, right? And it really made a lot of sense to me. One thing too was that um, it would often manifest to the people that were very straight laced, that had no relationship to the other world at all. And those are the people that would see it because those are the people that needed to see it the most, right? The rest of us are like, oh yeah, we're open to it. It's like, yeah, you can just be an artist; you're fine. You know, go ahead. <laughs> you're
1: good. You Don't can channel you it paint, that way. Paint pretty pictures, just <laughs> fine.
3: Yeah, you're, you're good. But um, That's so funny. But yeah, my family actually um, um, lived up in Oregon. My father uh, moved back up to Oregon when I was a kid. We'd go up there and like go camping and stuff. And I remember my grandfather and grandmother would always talk about this Sasquatch and tell me stories and trying to freak me out, which they succeeded. They they completely freaked me out as a kid um, with all of that. But I've always been interested in all of that stuff, all of it.
1: So we actually have a listener question that we were hoping that you could help us answer. Uh, The question was, I was raised in a secular household, but when I was around eight or nine, I created my own religion, which was centered around five gods and goddesses who were personified as birds. A crow, a raven, a wren, an eagle, and an owl. Mm. I created stories, symbols, practices, prayers, etc., as well as a small secret altar hidden in my room where I would leave offerings. I never told anyone about this, even though I practiced it all the way through middle school, and it faded from my consciousness until I recently started learning more about deity work. As my interest in deities has grown, I now wonder if these gods and goddesses were entirely of my own creation or if they were interpretations of deities who were reaching out to me. I've tried to find any corresponding deities who resonate with the five from my childhood. I even attended Courtney's class on the Morrigan a couple months ago to explore the crow-raven symbolism, but I have come up short. I have a desire to reconnect with them in a more legitimized framework, but I'm unsure if they exist as formal deities at all and if they aren't formal deities, then what were they? What gives a deity power?
3: Okay, simple There's question. There's a lot Storm. in that question, right?
1: <laughs> but really it's, easy. But you know what?
3: I think it's a really important question because it also relies on a lot of cultural assumptions, right? And so let's work backwards on that. So, what gives a deity power? I have to. I really have to kind of pose another question, though. You know, for that is what how do you define a deity? Mm. Because this, this is something that really has been coming up for me. You know, people talk about, oh, gods and goddesses. Those are, those are terms that we use, we bandy about, and we think we know what they mean. And what I've, like I mentioned before, like, oh, to me, fairy encompasses all of that. Spirits of the dead, deities, all of that. Angels, you know, demons even, you know? Um, what's the difference between an angel and a demon, a fairy, and a God. And to me, the answer, and I'm not being flippant, is PR. Mm. You know, it's literally about who rallies around them and why, and the stories that are shared. It's about the power that they hold. You know, they all have their own role. They all have their own agency. Um, But I'm not here to tell you what a God is and is not. To, again, I'm back to that capital M mystery, right? And I'm not here to challenge anybody's beliefs either about, you know, if, you, if you're a reconstructionist and you, oh, I believe that, you know, um, Kali is exactly this way, or, you know, Demeter is exactly this way. That's probably how Kali and Demeter will present themselves to you because that's how, that's powerful for you, right? We all connect to powers in different ways. Um, I, there's no reason why both things can't be true that they, they those bird spirits could be deities from other pantheons, you know, like other pantheons, that's a whole other thing to unpack, but but um, that are presenting themselves to this person and or, you know, could be creations of her own mind and spirit. And I don't see that those things would be in conflict w- with one another at all, you know? Um, I get accused of being a soft polytheist, and that's probably most accurate. But I will say that I'm a, a paradoxical polytheist because I I do have that relationship where when I'm dealing with a spirit that presents itself as a god, you know, I treat them as a god, you know. But I can work with somebody else in a different way, you know, or maybe that spirit will come to me in a different way next time, you know all bets are off. It's it's about the relationship that you have in the moment. Um, It sounds like a lot of stuff came through for this person and that's really exciting and that's really powerful. And the only person that could answer any of that would be them. No one outside of that person could tell them anything definitive. There might be some things that might be helpful, you know it, it, you know that we share stories with each other and you're like oh yeah wow that really clicks with my brain you know whatever and that 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 gives me some new ideas but there's no way i can ever tell somebody else what their experience is you know even in my own with my own students in fairy you know i've been teaching fairy tradition now for what since 2002 2003 and um i can never tell my students what their experience is, you know, with these gods and spirits that I work with all the time, really all bets are off, you know? So uh, what I would say in terms of a practical advice is just continue to work with them and allow them to tell you who they are and be skeptical because a lot of times spirits will tell you like, Oh, I'm the shit, you know, I'm, I'm all about it, you know, whatever. And, and maybe they are and maybe they're not, and maybe they are right now. And maybe they won't be tomorrow.
2: You know, I absolutely agree with the approach of asking them who they are. And I think I'd like to add that I, a reminder that our view of deity changes as we grow. Yeah. And I don't think that you would be able to connect with those deities now in that same way that you did at eight or nine years old any more than you could with your favorite song or your favorite movie now there are some movies that we still we love for their nostalgia reasons but they right. they may not be the ones that are are really going to speak to our experiences right now or when I play right. my 90s playlist from high school I love the nostalgia of them but that music doesn't really speak to what's going on with me now yes Kanani I know boys to men still speaks to your life right now but that's another story <laughs> Um,
0: no, it's <laughs> new kids on the block. Get oh, it right. Sorry, new sorry. On just, the block. Whatever. No, 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 no. Boys to men, timeless also. I know. Oh, well, boys but, to men, yes. Okay. So um
2: I would say maybe check in with these beings and ask them to manifest as they are yeah. as, as who they are to you now. And the question is if you they're just things you made up. I wouldn't limit yourself that way, just like we talked about at the beginning, mm-hmm. is that. Deity is always going to show up for us in our own, in our own image or in our own mind's eye Horatio. So it's um, uh, just say, okay, uh, yeah, there's always going to be a bit of my imprint on what I see. And that's, there's no way around that, yeah. but it doesn't mean that it's not real. So I would just check back in with him again. I haven't seen you in a while. What do you look like now?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Because if, it, you know, depending on how much time has passed, You know, it sounds like she said, or I assume she, but, you know, they um, connected with them in practice through middle school. Mm -hmm. And so now they're presumably an adult, you know, and so um, I'm sure that lots has changed with them and with these spirits in question,
1: Mm.
3: you know? So yeah, Courtney, I think that's an excellent point, you know? And let
1: me, let me commend you on the sheer imagination and creativity of a child to create their own religion with right? gods and goddesses. I had two teddy bears as a child, Teddy and bear <laughs> one was named Ted and the other was Teddy. <laughs> okay. Those, those,
0: those wait, were wait, my wait, stuffed wait.
1: animals. Wait, that is wait. how Ted, Ted was the big one that I remember and when teddy. I was really tiny, when I was really tiny, I used to be able to lay on him and put my arms on his arms and my legs on his legs and p- use his head as a pillow. And that was Ted and the little one was Teddy. So I love that. This concept is like blowing my mind because I was (laughs) never that clever as a child.
3: That Um, is some creative genius.
1: But the other thing that, that I would kind of like what both Courtney and and storm have talked about. The other thing I would do is not so much think so much as the animal that they, that you had called them at the time or, or they represented, but like, was the crow curious, you know, was it a curious God? Was it a happy God? Was it a helpful God? Was it a, was this the loving it God? scary? Maybe, yeah, maybe as you're kind of tapping back into this, not so much think of of what you made it look like because you very much like Courtney and Stormbowl said, you're going to make it look like what was familiar to you as a child and what you liked as a child. You were going to give it a, a pleasing face So instead maybe think of what was the personality trait that went with that God. And then that might maybe, you know, because that will start to bring about probably a a different face. I think that deities and, and, and like what Storm said, and, and, and that's a very broad spectrum, you know, term that you can use. Um, I think they tend to try and come to people in a way that like like storm said sometimes if that's how you think they are that's how they're going to come to you they're going they're going to come to you looking the way you think they will look uh, appearing to like the things that you like because that's going to be familiar it's going to be um it's going to be agreeable and it's if they want to work with you that's just kind of the easiest way to go about it you right. know i think mm-hmm. so i i very much think it makes sense that for a child they would have been animals that makes perfect sense to me and, and, and so like and i said
3: perhaps perhaps different stories that she may have been exposed to absolutely you know, that involved these animals. Maybe, I mean, she might not think of them now, you know, but like I look back on some of the the kids books. I I'm, I'm so fortunate that my mother saved a lot of my kids books and I have some things that I'm like, Oh my God, that obviously shaped my pagandom.
0: Mm. You know, I have
3: this one book that's like tales of lightning and thunder. And it's like from all these different cultures And how they would explain, you know, whatever. But I hadn't thought about it in years, right? But that all goes in your subconscious. And that becomes part of your symbolic lexicon that then spirit can draw from. And you don't have to think about it. You don't have to have that in your ego space. It's still part of you. And so they can draw that out.
1: And I think that, um, you know, I I think we've touched on, we've talked about it a lot over the last couple of years, but also we talked about in this episode is, you know, there is, this is not a black and white situation. This is very liminal space. You know, there are times I have, I do not practice quote unquote deity worship per se, but I have, you know, if there's certain things I'm trying to do, I might focus my energy more towards, you know, one, one, uh, one thing more kind of goddess centered or more God centered or, or just different things like that. And so, um, you know, don't worry too much about putting the correct quote unquote right. face to the name because it, because it really doesn't matter. And like Storm said, if it works for you, it works. Don't worry yeah. if it's weird or silly. <laughs> maybe you still want it to be the crow God. That that's okay. If that works for you, right. roll with it.
3: You know, and maybe it will come to you and say, oh yeah, I'm Loki or I'm the Morrigan or I'm whoever you know, whatever, and maybe that will change. And maybe it won't, you know, but I think just being open to allowing it to be its own thing and just having a relationship with it as it comes to you. You know, I I think a lot of witchcraft is first taking it at face value. And then we do kind of want to poke at it. You know, you want to find it. Well, is this giving me results that are discernible? You know, this is where journaling becomes kind of important. You know, you write down what works, what doesn't. You know, um, but yeah, I, I think that's all very exciting, you know, um, yeah, made your own religion. You figured it out, you know, don't do anybody else's religion, you know, do your own, you know, then no one's got power over you. Right. (laughs) So I I think that's, that's amazing. Do it. Yeah. Let me know. I'll I'll take their class.
1: Right. (laughs) So. Storm, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so what are you, can you tell our listeners what you're up to and where they can find you?
3: Um, let's see. I um, You can always find me on my website, which is in desperate need of updating, but I've been told it's going to be updated soon. That is fairywolf.com, F-A-E-R-Y-W-O-L-F.com, fairywolf.com. Um, also, you can check out the Mystic Dream Academy. Um, that is our online school where you can find things like Black Rose Witchcraft, which is a year-long Um, course in the art of witchcraft where we draw from many different um, streams of the craft and present it in a way for the beginner and for the seasoned practitioner. Um, What I've done recently I I mentioned earlier I just finished working on the witch's name um, crafting the the magical identity and I am I'm knee deep in a book right now the working title is Brothers of the Art it's a um, book on um, witchcraft for gay men with a healthy dose of gay sex magic hot. in there because nobody had really done that before. it's I think it's pretty hot. I know people are gonna be like oh my God, he's sexually repressed. Let me tell you I am so not um, but it's you know it, it's got some good juicy stuff in there.'m um, I'm, I'm very excited about it. this is actually the first book I ever wanted to write. It's back in, back in 1990 and so I'm really excited to get the opportunity to do it. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm just you know I'm working on. Black Rose. We're working on getting some other classes up there. I'm doing Reiki, you know, for people got some other stuff. So yeah, you can check me out on the web. Follow me on Twitter. Um, not so much on Facebook. I don't do Facebook. Yeah. I, I, I check in, but no, follow me. It's on Twitter. going
2: away. Storm <laughs> faster and faster. Storm's one of my favorite Twitter verses. I love storm stuff.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm really pulled back from like a lot. I mean, during the, the dark years, Uh, that we just got out of, I I was doing so much political stuff because that was all I could do to keep my own sanity. And I've really pulled back from that. I'm focusing a lot more on like folklore and stuff, but still some of the political stuff goes in there because I am a bleeding heart liberal. Um, But yeah, magic, gay stuff, follow me for that.
1: (laughs) There you go. And thank you so much to all of our listeners for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word. Please also consider leaving us a rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy us a coffee or check out our merch on our Etsy store. For bonus content, become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, you can go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody! Bye! So would it be. I still I still have oh dreams. Goodness. I need someone to go with me where I can get one of those water packs, but fill it with some rose. So I can just, you know, <laughs> sip on my rose as I'm walking down. And oh and my let's goodness. go squatching. Let's make it happen.
3: That is not a good idea. I mean, it's like don't go hiking the with rose. Poor-
0: That's a bad plan.
1: Well, that's why I need someone to go with me because someone has to put me in the wheelbarrow to get me back. Somebody else has
2: to bring the water.